Amen. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on, Vineyard Church? I said, what's going on, Vineyard Church? Good morning. Good morning. You'll learn as we go throughout today that I like for you to talk back to me. Very cool. Very good. Very glad to be here with you today. Again, my name is Terrence Campbell, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor at Growing Faith and so grateful to be here with each of you. Um, I just want to honor and acknowledge my brother, Kurt, in his absence. Brother, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Can y'all give it up for my brother, Kurt, this morning? Amen. And his beautiful family, his wife and children, and to the Vineyard Church, so grateful to be here with each of you. And boy, I tell you, I just love that praise and worship. Can you give it up for the worship team this morning? What a gift. I was trying to keep myself together because I didn't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> like, who is this guy running around the auditorium? But God is good, and I just i am so thankful to be here. And I want to acknowledge my wife, my bride of 23 years. She's not here right now. She was just here. She had to go and be there at our uh, church to uh, make sure everything is in place. So I want to celebrate and honor my bride, Cindy. Uh, she is my high school sweetheart. We met in high school, uh, and she just, she couldn't help herself. She just was like, I got to have her. I got to have her. No, no. <laughs> no, I really, really am so thankful for her. And I do want to celebrate and honor the Growing Faith Church for uh, them allowing me to be here with you this morning. Well, before I get started, I do want to also share with you that churches all around the country today are taking a stand for children who are in foster care. Uh, today, for many people, is known as um, Stand Sunday, where we're taking a stand to bring awareness to the children that are in foster care. I'm wearing a shirt right now. A friend of mine, uh, they lead an organization called um, Kingdom Care, and their slogan is empty the system, because there are children right now today that do not have families. And so on today, Adoption Awareness Month, we do want to acknowledge that there are children right now that wish that they could have a forever home. My wife and I, earlier this year, we were blessed to actually complete our foster care licensing. So we are now licensed with the state of Texas, and we're uh, in, on the, in the process, on the journey of becoming foster parents. And uh, it's because we believe in the work. And so, uh, as mentioned, I do oversee um, in Houston an organization called Care Portal. And uh, if you would like more information, please, you can see Tanya as well. She is actually y'all's church's primary point person. Vineyard Church has been involved and active in the process of serve, excuse me, serving children and families in crisis. Amen? Well, praise God. Well, if you would, can we just go ahead and, and just take a moment and pray this morning? Father, we thank you today for your grace, your mercy. We're so thankful that you love us with an everlasting, unfailing love. And so today, God, I'm your vessel. Have your way. Speak through me. Use me today, God, to bring your message of hope, encouragement. And so, Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, we have been in a sermon series called The Journey, and I truly have been blessed and encouraged 
uh, by this, this series. Last week, I want to acknowledge that uh, Nikki did an amazing job at introducing us to this idea of the Great Commission. And I think the timing of this message today is, is good because we're going to be talking today about the Great Collaboration. And it is my conviction that before you can do the Great Commission, carry out the assignment of making disciples, we have to acknowledge that we can't do that by ourselves. And so it will require for us to collaborate, for us to be on the same team, for us to work together. When we started Growing Faith in March of 2015, because of my experience in ministry and having been uh, discouraged and kind of let down in ministry, Quite honestly, I set out to start a church where I could do everything and not depend on anybody. <laughs> I set up everything to where I, on my iPad I could run the sound if the sound guy didn't show up. <laughs> I set it up to where if I needed to lead a worship song, I had worship songs in my back pocket ready to sing. I set it up to where, if needed, I could show up early enough to set up the parking lot and make sure that everything was in place. Why? Because you can't trust people, was my belief. And on the journey, I discovered that that was a bad idea, let me just tell you. Because the way God situated us, the way God created us, is he designed us to where we are what's referred to as interdependent. I think many of us try to live life in a way that is independent of other people, when in reality, God says we are actually interdependent. In other words, we need one another. Can you say that with me today? We need each other. Oh, I I wasn't really convinced by that. Can we try it again? We need each other. We most certainly need one another. When Jesus prayed for us in John 17, the Bible teaches that he prayed for our unity. It's what many refer to as the great collaboration. Well, the truth of the matter is that collaboration is is a very good idea, and I think there are a few reasons why God designed us to work together. Well, for number one, I got five of them for you. Number one, there is power in unity. Uh, I talk a lot about marriage. Uh, my wife and I, last week, we had the privilege of doing a healthy marriage boot camp. And one of the important keys that we share when it comes to marriage is that in marriage, there has to be unity. you got to be on the same page. If you're not on the same page, it's not going to work. And so Satan works overtime to try and bring division because divided, we cannot stand. So there is power in unity. Number two, we are better together. Number three, togetherness fosters love and selflessness. I'm talking about why would God invite us to collaborate? Number four, it serves as a reminder that it's bigger than us. I think so often we don't acknowledge the fact that this work that God has called us into is so much bigger than us. And number five, our collective strengths outweigh our individual weaknesses. I think that there's a really strong argument this morning for the idea of collaboration. 
So when we talk about collaboration, the challenge, though, is when you look at the word collaboration, it's made up of two very important words, co and labor, <laughs> which means togetherness and labor. Just in case you're not catching it, it's hard work to work together. It's super hard work because when you work together, you have differences. You have different ways of seeing things, different ways of understanding things. And the truth of the matter is that working together can be very difficult. I believe it, that we have a hard time working together because our flesh, because the world, and because of Satan. That he fights against us to try and keep us divided because he knows that when we work together, there's great power. There's great opportunity when we work together. I believe that it is our man-made denominations that keep us from being together. It's our political affiliations that keep us from being together. It's our personal obligations that keep us from working together. And I also believe that it's our racial segregation that keeps us from working together. You see, I love how when we sung in the room this morning that it was, we were singing about one God. We were singing about one thing that God has done for us, the fact that we have been saved, we have been rescued from our own sinfulness. I love how the fact that the Bible teaches us that every nation, tongue, and tribe will all together as one worship the Lord when we get to heaven. Well, do you know that Jesus teaches us that it should be on earth as it is in heaven? That means that we're not going to wait to get to heaven to work together but we're going to actually collaborate together here and now. See, it was Martin Luther King that said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. I mean, let's face it. We need each other. We absolutely need each other. The great collaboration, I think, is very complicated. But here's the good news. In John 17, where we're going to be studying from today, Jesus prays for us. You know, there is at least one thing that we have in common today, and that is that Jesus prayed for us over 2,000 years ago. Am I talking to anybody in here today that's thankful that Jesus is currently making intercession for us right now? I am thankful that today in the midst of the things that we don't know about the things that we are encountering that we don't know what to deal with Jesus right now the Bible says is making intercession for us and I love that and that's encouraging to me so let's talk today here's what I believe we're going to hear in the text this morning what I believe that we're going to hear in the text or what my point is here's what my point is when believers unite we reveal divine glory to a desperate world. If you wonder what we're talking about today, let me just be clear and tell you, when believers unite, we reveal the divine glory to a desperate world. So here's the question that I'm going to be asking today. How can disciples from different backgrounds come together to make a difference? How, how is that even possible? 
Well, I'm so glad you asked, because in John 17, we see the answer. John 17, just to give you a little history of John 17, John 17 is the the only full-length prayer that we have of Jesus on record. We know that Jesus prayed, don't we? Jesus prayed. And I've I've often wondered, what are some of the things that Jesus prayed about? I know what I pray about. (laughs) I pray about some of the things that frustrate me. I pray about the things that that I'm dealing with right now in my life. But I love in Jesus' prayer, we see that Jesus prays for himself, He prays for his disciples, but he also prays for those who would believe on their word. And can I tell you who that includes? That includes you and I. Jesus prayed for us over 2,000 years ago because he knew that the great commission, the great commandment, And this great collaboration would require that we work together, and he knows all of the things that divide us. He knows all of the ways that we allow our differences to create division. And so what did he do? He prayed. And I think this shows us something that's really crucial, that the fact that Jesus prayed indicates that prayer is powerful. Come on, somebody shout that with me. Prayer is powerful. Yes, so in John 17, verse 20, this is what Jesus says. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. So here's my first thought when I ask this question. How can disciples from different backgrounds come together to make a difference? My first thought is this. We believe the same gospel. Listen, the same hope that the apostles had is the hope that we have. The same God that Martin Luther put his faith in is the same God that we put our faith in. The same God that you came to know, if you are a follower of Jesus today, is the same God that I know. Isn't that good news today? I love the fact that birds of a feather flock together. Can I add to that? Birds of a feather flock together because they believe the same thing. Those birds that are flying together, they all believe that we need to go and migrate, right? Because within them is already baked in the reality that they need to fly north or south for the winter, right? So all of us in this room today... If you are a follower of Jesus, we believe the same gospel. I love the way it says it in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And look at verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, Verse 44, check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it out. And all who believed were where? Together. It's the same gospel that brings us together, that unites us. I love the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is the good news of the salvation of the Lord. You see, the scripture teaches that God is holy and man on his best day is imperfect and can never measure up to God's standard of perfection. But I like to call Jesus God's acceptable person, where Jesus steps in the middle of that gap 
and connects a holy God and a sinful people and brings us all together. And whether you realize this or not, you, before you came to know the Lord, you needed a Savior. I wish I had a really good amen right there. (laughs) You needed a Savior. And that brings us all together. And maybe you're something like me. When you first heard the gospel that you thought to yourself, well, that's for somebody else. Or I'm not that bad of a person. But the truth of the matter is, who are we comparing ourselves to? But when we compare ourselves to one another, we may be able to say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. But when we compare ourselves to a holy God, we realize that we stand in desperate need of a Savior. That's the gospel, that God is holy, man is sinful. On our best day, we can never measure up to God's standard. But God, who sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, shall be saved. Do you hear this? Do you hear the gospel? It's that gospel that makes us one. What's my point? The point that I'm making is when believers unite, we reveal the divine glory to a desperate world. How can disciples from different backgrounds come together to make a difference? Well, we find out that we believe the same gospel. Number two, I want you to notice in verse 21 of John 17, it says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that we may be in, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. The second thought is that the way we are able from different backgrounds to be together as one is that we've received the same Savior. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus today, that you can all agree with me that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Could you agree with that? If if, if you could agree that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to you, just let me see your hands this morning. If you're online this morning, you're saying Jesus is the, I've had some, now now let me tell you, I've had some good things happen to me. Uh, Mr. Allen, I've had some really good things happen to me. I met my wife. That was good. I bought my first house when I was 25. That was good. I, I bought a couple of cars and that, those things were good, but the best thing that has ever happened to me is Jesus. And by show of hands, I saw in the room that it's also true for you. That unites us. That The fact that you have received the same Savior unites us. Now, I want to call attention to something that I saw in the text that really kind of surprised me. I had to wrestle with it for a little bit. And this is what I wrestled with. He says, Jesus says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, he says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. And the question that I had was, what does the glory of God have to do with our being unified? Well, let's unpack the word glory for a second. The word glory means the, brill- the radiant brilliance of God's splendor and excellency revealed by his attributes. In other words, the glory of God 
is the very essence of who he is. It's his love. It's his grace. The Bible says in John 1 verse 14 that Jesus, the word, became flesh and tabernacled among us. And the scripture goes on to say, and we beheld his glory. Oh, God. Can I just encourage myself right there? These guys beheld the glory of God. And this is what they saw. Here were the attributes that they saw. They saw that he was the son of God. They also saw that he was full of grace and truth. Do you know that we serve a God who is full of grace and truth? The same grace that you receive for your sinfulness is the same grace that I received. The same truth that I have to wrestle with is the same truth that you wrestle with. These are the things that bring us together as one, the divine glory of God. That word glory, y'all, can I tell you, it really just, it really encouraged me. Because I, I asked this question. I said, what was Jesus on the earth to do? For three and a half years, Jesus spent time with 12 guys, and he not only taught them the, his, his teaching, but he also allowed them to see his glory. See, one of the reasons that God wants us to see his glory is because we will have what's called shared experiences. Because here's what's happening in our world today. The world would try to make us believe that this whole Jesus stuff is not real. The world will have us to believe that, ah, you would have changed without God's help. But I don't know about you, but I needed God to go. He had to reach way down. Anybody else had to? Did Jesus have to reach all the way down? He had to reach way down to pick me up out of the muck and the mire and rescue me. And this is why when I come into the house of the Lord, I find myself lifting my hands and praising the Lord because I've had an opportunity to be impacted by his glory. Is there anybody in here today that can say you've been impacted by the glory of God? You see, we have shared experience I know that one of the things that, that stifle us is that we, we, are more, we are more concerned with the things that divide us than the things that unite us. We look at the things that we can see that are obvious, but we don't consider the things that we have experienced. See, shared experience is powerful because shared experience allows us to realize that we are not as different as we thought we were. Whew. Can I talk right there? See, if we spent time together long enough, you know what you'll discover? You're not so different than I am. <laughs> the stories are all the same. I was living my life thinking I was living it up. I was in college and I was at the club and, and, and I was just dancing and just having a good time. I was drinking, I was smoking weed or, or whatever it was. And I know we all look good right now and we're just like, oh, I'm... My goodness, I'm not sure what he's talking about. <laughs> Sometimes we have to pause and look back and give God thanks for where he has brought us from. See, these, these disciples had the opportunity to walk close enough with Jesus 
that they were in a boat in the middle of a storm. And they all at the same time saw the same person walking on the water. And the Bible says they all were afraid. Shared experience. See, because when they experienced the glory of God, the Bible says that when Jesus left, when he was long gone and they were carrying out the Great Commission and they were operating in the Great Collaboration, they were being warned to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. But the Bible says in Acts 4 that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they knew that these men were unlearned and uneducated. These were common people. They knew something. They had glory on them. What was the glory? The scripture says that they could see that they had been with Jesus. What would our world look like if when we come in a space like this and we are encouraged by one another and we are strengthened by one another, that we leave out of here with the glory of God on us. That when people look at us, they see the attributes of our Heavenly Father. That we forgive those that are unforgiving, forgivable. That we love those who are unlovable. When we give grace instead of criticism or critique, what would happen if we were so impacted that we experience the same thing where we are able to build empathy? We, we have a connection. There's a sense of belonging. We share values all because we were impacted by the glory of the Lord. See, our oneness it's not because of our goodness. It's because we've all shared in the favor and the faithfulness of a good, almighty God. This is how you can have people here in America have the same kind of love and, and grace and compassion as people in India and across the world because they've had a shared experience. I believe if we look close enough, we probably would realize we are more alike than what we think. I like the way Tim Keller said it. He says, God's glory is not only displayed in grandeur, but also in the everyday. It is the pervasive beauty of his redemptive work. See, the more glory that we are impacted by, the more we start to look like Jesus, the more we start to walk like Jesus, and the more our world is impacted for the glory of God. My point that I'm making is that when believers unite, we reveal divine glory to a desperate world. Can I submit to you this morning? Our neighbors are desperate. We, we work alongside people who are desperate. Desperate for something different. I was at work one day. And this is years ago, and a young lady uh, was going around, and she was uh, getting uh, the roster for those who were going to happy hour. Now, if I could just say, I've never understood happy hour because it's just an hour to be happy, and then once you get happy because you're inebriated, now later on, you're not so happy. I've never got it. She was going around, and are you going to happy hour? Okay, good, I got you. Uh, are you going? Okay, good, I got you. Okay, oh, uh, you're going to be there? Okay, good. She came to me and said, oh, no, you, you can't come. 
And I, and I stopped her. I said, hold on, sister. I can come. I just choose not to because I don't need an hour to be happy because I have the joy of the Lord. And it was at that moment that she kind of looked at me and she paused and she now is beginning to connect the dots. This is how this guy can, can, can be joyful in the midst of a circumstance that is less favorable because he is not looking for a moment of time to be happy, but he has something different. And that's not native to me. That is the glory of God. When believers unite, we reveal divine glory to a desperate world. As we close, I ask the question, how can disciples from different backgrounds come together to make a difference? We found out we believe the same gospel. Number two, we found out we receive the same Savior. And finally, number three, we radiate the same love. Notice what he says in verse 23 of John 17. The scripture says, I in them and you in me that they may become. Now notice the progression. Now Jesus says, perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me. Now, that's interesting because in the previous verse, he says that the world may believe. Now he says that the world may know. Well, why is there a difference? It's because it's suggesting that when the world gets the opportunity to interact with us, they'll go from believing to knowing. See, it's been my conviction that you walk into the lion's den believing that God can save, but you walk out knowing. Come on. Is there anybody in the house today that have been through some challenges in your life? You've seen some difficulties and, and experienced some heart, heartaches and pain, and you walked into it believing that God was a healer. You walked in believing that God was a, a deliverer. You walked in believing that the, the Lord was with you, but when you came out, you knew that he was with you. And nobody can convince you otherwise. See, I love the fact that God says, I love, thank you, Pastor, Pastor Allen. I love the fact that, that God says, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil because God, you're with me. And God wants us to live in such a way as we collaborate as we live together, as we work together, he wants us to live in such a way that it is clearly obvious, unmistakable, that these people have been impacted by something greater than themselves. See, when, we co when there's a collaboration, when God has invited us into his story, what an honor and a privilege it is that he would invite us to be a part of his team. When I was growing up, I wasn't very athletic. Uh, now, now that I'm older, I, I could say like David, I was young, but now I'm old, amen. <laughs> and, and now I could say that I'm probably a little more athletic than I was then. But back then, on the playground, I would be waiting to be picked. Wanted to be picked for the softball game or kickball or dodgeball or basketball, anything having to do with the ball, I wanted to be picked. But I found myself oftentimes standing on the sidelines waiting to be picked. And sometimes I didn't get picked at all. And other times I did get picked. But the only reason I got picked because they needed to balance out the team. Oh, boy, what an awful experience that is. Like, well, come on, Terrence. See, but that's the image that we may oftentimes have of ourselves when it comes to when God selects us. But the truth of the matter is that God didn't just say, eh, come on, I guess I'll let you. 
I can't find anybody else. Well, <laughs> I guess, come on. No, we literally are privileged that the creator of the universe has invited us into his story to be a co-laborer with him. What an honor. What, what a privilege that the Lord of heaven says, I want you to radiate the same love. See, it was in John 13, as Jesus was preparing to make his way out of this world. The scripture says that Jesus brought his disciples together and he began to wash their feet. And, and he was demonstrating to them that, hey, if you want to be the greatest, the greatest among you is the one who serves. The scripture says as Jesus washed their feet, I imagine he was thinking about all that he was getting ready to experience. And, and I imagine he was thinking about all that, that his, his disciples would go through. As they had the Last Supper, and as he broke bread, and he ripped from that loaf, and, and this loaf is it's one piece of bread, and, and this is representative of his body, and, and they're all tearing from that bread, an indication of, of our oneness today. And as he walks through, and he makes this statement, he says, you know, you've, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, but but then then it progressed to okay. Well, then you should you should love your, your you love your enemies also. But then now he says in in John thirteen he says a new commandment I give you to love how you have been loved. Look at it, John thirteen thirty four. He says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And I love this. He says, by this, say this with me, shout it with me, by this. I can't hear you one more time. By this, all people will know. Do you see it? They will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. I heard it said that if you want to change someone, either hurt them deeply or love them profoundly. And maybe there are people in our lives, in our communities, in our families, maybe, that they are just hard to love. Well, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, listen, I realize that that's true, but you're different. Because anyone can love those that love them back. But my disciples will be distinguished by this radiance of love that will emit from them that will be life-changing. And if you're here today and, and, and maybe you're at a place where there are some people in your life that it's hard to love them. Maybe you've not even spoken with them. Maybe you've just cut them off because they're just, they are not worth it. What if, because of the radiance and the beauty of God's love for you, that you can't help but emit and reflect that same level of love for them? That you forgive the unforgivable. 
I want to give us a last thought as I wrap up. I love the way it says it in 2 Corinthians 3. It says in verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other, another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, we become what we behold. And I don't know what it is that your next step may be here. Maybe your next step here is is that you, you don't even know of this love that's found in Jesus. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. When the invitation was extended to raise your hand, if you know about this amazing love that's found in Jesus, you could not raise your hand because you don't know it. But here is your moment. See, the disciples' journey is their next step of obedience. And so what's your next step? Maybe you made Jesus Lord of your life, but you need to get plugged into a group. And you say, yeah, I preach. I don't understand what you're saying, but I don't want to get plugged into a group because I'm going to get too close to people and they're going to get to know me and they're not going to like what they see. Well, see, that's why our Jesus is full of grace and truth and As we are filled with Jesus, as we are filled with more of him, guess what we become full of as well? Grace and truth. Maybe your next step is you have the capacity to stand for children who are in foster care. Maybe you have an extra room or maybe you you can get certified to be a a babysitter. And I know some of us may say, yeah, you don't understand. My, my time for that is over. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> or maybe you can just be praying for children who are in foster care. Whatever your next step is, here's what I want to encourage us in. When believers unite, we reveal divine glory to a desperate world. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord Jesus, we we confess today that we are in process. We're not who we should be, who we're going to be. But Lord, we want to thank you that we are on a journey and that we're not where we used to be. Thank you for the ways that you're transforming us. Thank you for the ways that you are revealing yourself to us more and more every day that we long that when we look in the mirror that we would see reflected back to us an image that goes beyond our skin, that goes beyond our habits or behaviors or beliefs, or, but that we would see who you are making us to be. Because we don't know what we shall be when you appear, but we know that when we see you, We're going to look like you because we're going to see you as you are. And you say in your word that those who have that hope, we purify ourselves after that. And so, Lord, thank you for inviting us into your work that we may be on mission with you. We bless you. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we give thanks. Amen and amen.